0: Welcome to the Ray Harryhausen Podcast, the show dedicated to the life, career and films of a special effects titan. Join us as we host in-depth discussions about the work, influences and legacy of this uniquely talented filmmaker. Brought to you by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, we will be delving into Ray's archive to bring a unique insight into his work, ...including exclusive audio from the man himself from our own archives.
1: We will be joined by special guests for retrospectives, exclusive announcements and competitions. So this podcast is a must-listen for all fans of the world of Ray Harryhausen,
0: animation and classic filmmaking.
2: Hello everyone and welcome to this very special Ray Harryhausen Podcast vodcast. So it's one of our video podcast vodcasts, and I'm joined by Collections Manager Connor Heaney, Ray Harryhausen's daughter Vanessa, and our very special guests, Anthony Way, who was the first assistant director or the first AD on Clash of the Titans, Terry Madden, who was the second AD, second assistant director on Clash of the Titans, and Keith Hampshire, who was Unit Stills, the official photographer on Clash of the Titans. And of course, these gents have worked on many great films in cinema. And we're going to talk about that over the the course of the next hour or so. Um, But we're here primarily to talk about Ray Harryhausen. Of course, that's with the Harryhausen Foundation. And and I'll kick off with um, Mr. Anthony Way, if I may, because we have a a connection ourselves through the Doctor Who and the Daleks movie book from 65, 66, so thank you for that. Um, As with that film, Doctor Who and the Daleks, speaking to you about that all these years later, clash of the titans did you have any idea that it was going to be such a uh, a hot potato with the public all these years later
0: no idea no no idea at all it was it was like everything we we always say it was another job and uh, as it turned out it was quite a good fun job wasn't it terry we it and keith Great fun. we had yeah. the odd drink now and again
3: we worked hard and we played fairly well
4: we
0: played fairly well <laughs> fairly well yes and we had a lovely
4: 10 or 11 weeks whatever it is going around the mediterranean in the middle of the summer so it was great well,
2: you make that sound lovely but uh, i know myself the job of a first ad is is incredibly difficult because you're the glue that holds everything together and if anything goes wrong people are screaming for the first ad assuming the first ad isn't screaming at someone else um so so Anthony, yeah. can you tell us how how would you approach the, uh, the job as first assistant director here because an awful lot lands on your shoulders for this
0: I don't know I mean I think you, you approach every film slightly differently you have to assess obviously the director that you're working with uh, you either get on with him or he's he's very good or you I mean generally you get on sometimes they need some encouragement um, if they, you know if they're not too positive in what they're doing you try and help them
2: and this was a big um, budget film this was the biggest budget ray harryhausen had through mgm 15 million dollars and with charles schneon and people who know charles and have met him know that he's he's quite a tough producer so so how, how do you get on with it well that's right?
0: another word for mean i think <laughs>
2: wasn't he was very <laughs> careful well he had to be on these productions because you couldn't go over <laughs> budgets on a big special effects film could you
0: i guess not no um no, I think we were quite lucky. If I remember Terry and Keith, weather wise, we, we didn't have too many holdups, did we? If I, if I... No, no, we, we had no holdups.
4: And, uh, you know, we moved quite smoothly. Um, uh, the director was pretty confident in what he was doing, uh, Desmond Davis. And um, it was a great unit, fantastic mm-hmm. unit. Not as big as they are nowadays. I mean, nothing like they are these days. And uh, we moved along quite efficiently.
0: Yeah, I think uh, because we had quite, quite a lot of moves on that film.
3: Yeah.
4: um,
0: Countrywide, not not only country to country, but also in between in the countries. We had quite a lot of moving around. Yeah, yeah, it was logistically, it was
3: quite, quite an operation. Very efficiently run. Was that John Palmer in the production office? And Grace. And Grace Palmer, yeah. Yeah.
2: So, Keith, how did, as the official unit stills photographer, did you have, like, a brief to work to? Um, and was this from Charles Schneer or MGM? How, how did that work for, for
3: your for your essential stills work? My main brief was to take pictures. No, I'm being physician. Uh, when you're working on a movie like this, there's so many different facets to it. Because, as you know, there's all of Ray's work, which um, is being mapped out as we shoot. But, of course, that isn't included in my stills. I have to put those in later if I can, or they're uh, adjusted later. Um, But anything relating to publicity, anything that will work with publicity. And the person who was in charge of publicity was Anne Tasker, who was fantastic. And there was um, Bill Edwards, who was in charge of MGM UK that time. And I remember quite clearly that we actually sort of put together, he mainly put together a slideshow. Which was uh, at the end of the movie to go around to show a lot of the uh, future clients I suppose and theatres just a slideshow of all the stills but the stills are used (laughs) for publicity marketing and anything relating to advertising the movie so it's my job to keep that in mind in every scene and every time so I like to try and be there and the the, the, two gentlemen with us hopefully will back me up by saying I was there on the set in the morning until we from the time we the call sheet was call time to the time we wrapped in the evenings. The important thing is to be there. Absolutely. And can I ask you, Keith, what
2: format were you shooting on? It's 35 mil color film. Was it Kodak? Mainly
3: 35 mil um, transparency. Transparency had the best definition. Tried to use Kodachrome whenever I could, which was well known, um, and have shoot black and white as well. So they had a complete uh, uh, when you finish, have a complete set, both black and white and colour. Uh, did to, you to hand to over the negatives and
2: the transparencies to the um, to the production? Then did you keep anything yourself? or?
3: No, unfortunately, I've got I've got a couple of pictures uh, of the kraken which is actually on display now, probably and might be one of mine. I went in to see Ray when he was at uh, Pinewood and I shot a lot of pictures of him there because, you know, he was the kingpin of the whole shoot, really. And what he was doing was I just sat there and watched him. It was magic. I mean, you didn't really realise how stop frame really worked. I mean, you can imagine it, but when you sit there and watch him work, and everything is adjusted, adjusted magically by minuscule amounts to make it flow, um, and I was there when he was working with the Kraken, uh, which was just amazing. And I shot quite a few stills of him at that time in that uh, at Pinewood, but it was and magical to so,
2: watch him work. And so that beautiful photography behind Vanessa Harryhausen—that's one of your stills, Keith—is that right? Thank you for the word beautiful.
1: It is. And and Vanessa,
2: how how do you remember that? Did you visit the location? And of course, you remember the the shoot when it happened. What what are your memories? Did you meet any of these gents?
1: Um, I I don't think I met the gentleman. If I did, I'm sorry, I don't remember. I met Maggie Smith behind scene. I missed Lawrence Olivier by day, I think. Um, I was on the set for the scene where the chap in Medusa's cavern gets shot in the back with an arrow. And they I remember that you or somebody had to retake those takes quite a lot. And this poor man had to get dried off. And I think he had to go back into the water where he gets this arrow in his back several times and, and goes face down. Eventually, I think they got what they wanted out of that scene. Um, Then the other one was, um, I think it was the one where Pegasus was bolting out of his cage but they couldn't get him to move and Daddy said that they had to get somebody, now I don't know if this is PC to say this at live, but they had to get somebody with a rather sharp pin to, to move the horse to get out of that, bolt out of that cage quite quickly. But I don't know whether that's fact or it was just that Daddy just said that to me. Um, And what was the other one? Oh and of course where Andromeda's tied up for the sacrifice of the Kraken. Um, I saw that too.
2: And Were you involved in that at all?
1: Um, Unfortunately yeah I was, Mummy and I were watching, it was during a lunch break, everybody was going off for their lunch and I don't know, I wanted to ask you guys, it wasn't any of you shooting that scene, was it? With Andromeda up at the rocks.
0: Yeah, yeah, in in Malta. Yeah, yeah must have, must have been us, yes. Yeah,
4: yeah.
1: Because at lunchtime, or just, I think everyone was just literally going off, Dad wanted to line up the shot. And this is what he said to me and Mummy, to line up the shot where Andromeda was with, and that's why he put me in those in that stance, he said, go and stand over there and pretend your Andromeda and put your hands and somebody locked me in the cuffs. So I had to stand there like this, but I don't know who it was. And he said it was to do with the, the height. And then I had to look over to where the Kraken was. And he wanted to just, yeah. he said he was just <clears throat> seeing I about think that was on,
0: something. I think that was on Gozo.
1: Ah, right.
0: Because I think that's where we did the crack on the peering. I, no, um, Tony, that was the um, I that was the, was the the tank thing. in Malta. Yes,
4: that's it. It was the tank. Was the tank? Was it? All right. Yeah, it was the tank in Malta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How because I know
0: when we shot on Gozo, that's the place that has the big arch in the rock, and we had all the extras on top of the arch and all over the beach, and we were trying to get them to react. To the kraken coming out of the sea.
3: Yeah.
0: But trying to explain that when they didn't speak English through an interpreter um, mm. was a little difficult and then also to say that Pegasus is flying over the horizon. Uh, we had a bit of confusion I think there.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's was tough. it
1: one of you guys that took the picture of me chained up? Who or was that daddy that took that picture of us standing?
4: I well, take a was, few p- pictures of people chained up, but that was in inventory. <laughs> <commentary>. uh, <laughs> I,
0: I suspect. I don't. I won't, remember, I won't
3: admit anything?
0: I suspect that probably what we did is we sent everyone to lunch and left your father there with you to set up uh, while we got everybody yeah. lunched. I would think. Yeah. yeah.
4: I, I actually watched the film last night. I had to pay £3.40 or something to Amazon to watch it last night. <laughs> and you're right. I remember coming back after lunch and we did uh, a shot of Andromeda tied up. I remember her going, getting her back and getting it into the the manacles to shoot it first thing after lunch.
1: Yeah. So
4: that's probably what he was lining up. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And do you guys were you guys there when they lost the alligator in the swamp scene?
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. And do you
1: remember? Do you remember the blue bottle situation too? Apparently, when they cut Medusa's head off, but for for the effect to make the the prosthetic blood move, they put all these maggots and everything in to make this the flow of that scene when the head, the the blood comes mm-hmm. out the head.
3: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Daddy
1: said that some twit had left a bucket of whatever it was and maggots, and they had all gone into flies, and you were inundated with these flies. So everybody was squirting everything because of these bloody flies.
4: I don't remember the flies at all. Yeah, maybe. But did they
1: catch the alligator in the end or the croc yeah. in the that, swamp?
4: The, the alligator was at um, uh, Calibus's lair, wasn't it? On yes. Pinewood. Yes, And it went missing, I think, on the last day, and everybody was scared to go into the water because you had to find the alligator.
1: I know. It wasn't very big, if I remember rightly, but it was big enough to give you a bite.
0: (laughs) I I seem to remember that it it was caught successfully.
1: Yeah, good,
0: Um, good. Yeah.
2: Now, Anthony, can I ask you, and it's a question for all you gents, um, Desmond Davis was, of course, the director on the film, but Ray Harryhausen famously comes in to direct the key sequences. Now, you've all worked with wonderful effects people like Derek Meddings and others on other films, but Ray Harryhausen, this is his film, isn't it? He's he's a producer on the picture, so that puts him in a rather unusual position. What was that like working with effectively two directors in that sense?
0: Well, it wasn't a problem because... um... Uh, Ray just, you know, you worked with Ray, the problem with that was that you <clears throat> had to create fights with stuntmen, uh, you know, uh, like a stuntman was a claw on, on six, you had six legs and you had a stuntman as a claw on each end attacking Harry Hamlin, so coordinating that uh, was quite tricky, so I think Desmond went and sat down in a chair and Harry did all that. Um,
2: <clears throat> so there was no tension uh, there between sort of the director and someone I don't think in.
0: so. I don't remember any anything. Do you remember, no, Keith? No. Or? no, I think it was no, all the seamless. I think it at at all. all went fairly smoothly. Went well. we, just, we just told Desmond to go and sit down and have a cup of tea or something. By <laughs> <laughs> well, the you couldn't have two people doing things because uh, Harry had in his it was Harry's knowledge that you, you had to work to.
2: Absolutely, and and Anthony, you said you have got some paperwork that you've kept from the time as well.
0: Well, the call sheet I had—they got the call sheet I showed you there. No, yeah, no, no, I hmm. I made some notes from my diary. Right. Um, oh,
2: let's let's have a let's have a gander at your notes. Let's see what you've got.
0: <laughs> well, I mean they're they're very sketchy because, I, stupidly. If I had known I was going to do a podcast 40 years' time, as I said, I'd have kept better notes. <laughs> but... Uh, well, no, you could have written a book. I mean,
2: b- between the three of you, you could write a book each with the wonderful films you've worked on. You know, you've worked with... Um, Keith has worked on uh, with Stanley Kubrick and with, with John Landis on Spies Like Us. And John Landis is a great friend of the Foundation, of course. You know, between you, you've worked on really amazing films. James Bond, Star Wars and a couple uh, one of my guilty pleasures saturn 3 that's a guilty pleasure oh. of mine i love saturn 3 i'm i'm quite the aficionado on that i'd love to write a book on that no publisher will agree um but uh, I love that movie <laughs> it's a great
3: film it's a great score yeah, by I love, elmer i Burns. love working on it i love stanley Downing. Uh and of course john Barry, who directed it it's, it's a shame. And how, how how much of
2: the picture, I won't go too much on on a tangent, but whilst you're here, how much did John Barry shoot before he before he left? Um, probably just under a third, I should think. So a fair a substantial piece of, of filming there. I mean, that, that was a big special effects film. So was Krull. You'd worked on Krull. And Krull is quite like a Harryhausen film, isn't it? It's got the Cyclops. It's got flying yeah. horses. It's from Columbia Pictures. I know Ray was a bit put out when that came out in 1984. Um, But those films obviously are still loved. Clash of the Titans is really loved. And as you say, um, Terry, you had to pay £3.50 for it through Amazon. So it's still being charged at the full price that you'd expect to pay for a first run film online. I mean, three of you, have you had any thoughts about why you think the film has survived above and beyond other films from the era?
4: Well, I mean, the reason I paid three pound fifty was because my grandchildren uh, went into my video collection and uh, and whipped it away. So <laughs> it's up in their house, and and they watch it. They've watched it three or four times. They love it.
0: Really? Uh,
4: so it has this fascination to get. Um, I mean, also we, or especially me, I I love the old, you know, the the the, the original ones before that. Like, um, was it the? The one-eyed Cyclops, or whatever Seven it was, Forge, Seven Voyage
2: Sinbad. yeah, the Voyage of yes.
4: Sinbad. And I, I, I went to see that when I was about ten or eleven years of age. I was scared out of my <laughs> mind when I watched it. You know, it was. Uh, they were great films. You know, it was something totally different.
1: I think maybe it's because they're so real for me when I saw the models, and then saw it on on live, on, on so, so to speak, live on 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 the screen. They really looked like they were flesh and blood, and oh my God, you sort of lived it. You, you, you know, he had that magic, didn't he? And for you guys to be able to to film that and follow that through. No, sorry, spoiling. in no,
0: in those days, no one had been spoilt by uh, the internet and Netflix or anything like that, and also the television
4: mm-hmm.
0: wasn't quite as advanced as it is now. So people went to the cinema much more Mm -hmm. than than certainly they do now and uh, they went to enjoy Mm -hmm. whereas now they seem to go I don't know the films don't seem to be very enjoyable
4: but but also today everybody knows how films are made in those days people had no idea how a film was made you know how do you get these skeletons fighting each other and falling off and you know differences in height and people and everything else that hadn't the faintest idea how it was done
0: no that's um true.
4: today these you know the dvd comes out and it's got the making of and it it gives away all the tricks it tells yes. me it's done yeah. it tells.
2: i'm guilty it takes that feel, magic
4: away from
3: it
2: i'm guilty of revealing magician's secrets through my books keith you were going to mention about the, the scorpion thighs, and was it the rear projection problems uh, in the background? Mean, it's
3: just to watch it being yeah. shot for real um in spain and it was uh, Then you go and watch it assembled on the big screen. It's amazing how you've got the flow of the fight with the scorpions and the sword fight. And, you know, I was just sort of watching it the other day and to see all that and to how Ray put that together and do it. I mean, when I was at Pinewood watching him work with the Kraken, he'd go through one sequence and then he'd stop and he'd roll the whole film back. And he had a Mitchell um, camera, which you see behind. You there. Mm. And it's um, he would frame mark the stock. So that meant that he would go and shoot once the same sequence, but just adjust the model slightly, then have to rewind the film to the frame mark stock and to move the mat, which is an area that's blacked off of the screen sequence and then shoot again. Again. And he'd do this time and time again. And if you look at it and you just um, stop frame, you know, on the video now, you know, it's uh, painstakingly amazing the amount of work that goes, he did, you know, to went into doing just that sequence, the Kraken sequence or the Scorpion sequence. It's
2: interesting because Technicolor was Ray's preferred laboratory and he knew the the guys down at Technicolor and he was getting prints done. He'd watch his rushes there and so on. This picture, I think, went to Metro Color. And I think there were some issues with the lab and with the rushes. Were you guys aware of the tension between Ray and Charles and the issues around rushes and dailies?
0: Not that I remember.
2: Uh, And did you see any of the rushes? Was that something you were able to sit in and watch? uh,
4: I don't
3: think we had rushes. No, I don't away. think we
4: did, did. We, I can't remember. I don't think they used to. Not that I remember. I
3: mean, I think because I think we, we were, were, were travelling around so much, we were travelling uh, so we, much. I think had, yeah, just had yeah. movie owners with them all the time. That's right. Think, you know, the um, just the chosen few. Well, the movie owner is just a small way mm. of playing back rushes, and I think that. Uh, that's what they were locked into most of the time, just because it was wasn't practical. There were occasions when they did. We did see some rushes, um, but I certainly didn't go every day. I know no, the back-
0: I, I I certainly didn't I-,
3: I know the background plates
2: for the Scorpion fight. They, it started to rain and that was the last day, apparently, on that location. And I know Ray wanted to stay and, and reshoot, but Charles disagreed and there was some movements on the background place as well so in the final film you can see a slight movement between between the foreground models and the background something that couldn't be corrected at the time but could now perhaps um y- were you aware of any of those those issues as they arose
4: oh uh, really um, no I, I can't remember it no. No. no
0: no i don't i don't think we got involved with with that sort of thing it, it um i mean i remember the scorpion fight because that's one i think where I had a we had a stunt man at the as a, as the end of each leg fighting Harry, and Harry had to fight, and it was quite tricky putting that together because it had had a choreo- Harry had to choreograph it, so so fighting it. So when he put the scorpions in, eventually the claws were going for Harry, and he was fighting a claw or something like that. That was took quite a long time to um, coordinate that. I remember quite now because,
2: frustrating now the three of you know each other from other films so h- how were you booked for a job like this w- was it through sort of a, a diary service an agency because it's great to have the same people working on pictures I mean I, I try with tv projects to get the same crew I'm always the person who's at the back waiting to see if the sound recorders I wants available and I'm always waiting for that to book that soundie or that well, I, camera, camera operator
0: I, I think in those days the industry was quite small and I think we were all probably quite well up our tree, weren't we? Yeah. And we got, we got invited to uh, join films. And it, uh, I don't know, Keith, there weren't that many stills going get around at the time, were there?
3: No, uh, not really. You had to be known in America. I mean, I, kept, I got my job through MGM in the States. It was a very, very small English production, but very, very small. Mm-hmm. Um, as a still photographer to do international movies, you had really had to be known in the States. And there was only really a handful of us.
0: Yeah. I think I probably got the job through John Palmer. Yeah. I, th- I knew John Palmer. Um, <clears throat> I can't come back I'd worked with him. Um, I'd, I'd uh, been involved with him. We were going to do a big film in a period film in Russia at one point, And that with Elizabeth Taylor and that, I think and that collapsed. Um, That blue beard or something was that? Was it that? I I think it could have been. Yes.
4: Yeah. You knew John Palmer from um, the the Connery picture, uh, Five Days Last Summer. What was it called? The Five Days One Summer. Five Days One Summer. John did that, didn't
0: he? John Palmer. Yeah, he was on that for a while. Which was before Clash. Is it? Yeah, the Zinnemann film. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And there was going to be a sequel to Clash of the Titans called Force of the Trojans. Um, which was going to have different characters, but was going to be set in the world of Greek mythology. Were, were any of you guys aware of that, or had there been
3: any kind of talk within the industry that there might be a sequel?
0: I don't, I don't remember it, no. No.
3: I'd heard about it uh, through Bill Edwards at MGM, um, but it was just rumour, really. It's a shame it didn't happen, because Clash
2: of the Titans was financially incredibly successful, the most successful f- financial film that Ray had, and so it, it seems a shame that uh, there wasn't more films to follow. He tried with with other projects in the in the eighties, but um, uh, uh, Vanessa Harryhausen, of course, raised daughter looks after the vast collection, which is the largest collection of its kind anywhere in the world, outside of the Walt Disney Company in terms of animation archive. And, and Vanessa, did you want to tell us a bit about that as well? Uh,
1: about the collection.
2: About yeah, the, the, I mean, you look after you know with with Connor and me you know that the 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 uh we're like the three amigos um we look after <laughs> Ray's vast collection and we write books about his films and, and and so on
1: yeah um really um it's just trying to archive um and um catalogue all the stuff because we're finding new stuff all the time through dad's boxes and things and People keep asking me, well, surely by now you've been through every box, and but no, because dad had squirreled them away so much. So, you know, when I mean, like the other day, um, I came down and I showed Connor a picture of one of the sketches that I found in my mother's box of books. And it was a sketch of one of the J- um or one of the um Sinbad ships very early i think it was for um eye of the tiger wow um and it was just a doodle on a piece of paper but what the hell was it doing in my mum's box you know so you know it's always a surprise i guess you know so it's it is fun and, and and cataloguing it's a bit daunting too but connor's doing a fantastic job and um you know yeah we are finding lots of material and and you know, the public are keeping dad's memory alive and it's 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 fantastic. So it's, is it a, is it a museum you have? No, it's a sort of like a warehouse collection thing. It's just where it's stored at the moment. But
2: mm. well, we do uh, exhibits. We had a big exhibition at the National Gallery of Scotland. Sorry to sp- step on your toes there, mm-hmm. Vanessa. And we have others planned, don't we, in America? And the Oscars mm-hmm. Museum and the George Lucas Museum. Um, we we the, the collection regularly tours. And uh, once they can afford the insurance, because each year the collection um, and the pieces in it, like like Medusa and Pegasus behind me, they're the original stars of the film, and so their 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 value is 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 really quite substantial. But uh, if this kind of bounces me back to a question I I, I was going to say before, um, Derek Meddings is 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 the closest we have to a Ray Harryhausen. Um, in the UK, I guess, but he doesn't have a collection because his collection has been kind of dispersed around the world, which is quite, quite sad. I mean, what are your thoughts and views on that? I suppose,
4: Derek, Derek, he was a leading, I mean, when I first came to the industry, he was a a leading um, special effects um, supervisor and he's credited for all these sort of the Thunderbirds and whatever, and quite rightly, he never perhaps got the... uh, recognition that he, that he should have got um, besides that. And a lovely guy he was too.
3: He was one of the unsung heroes. I remember I worked with him on the Bonds and on Kral and uh, he was just a, a magical person. He was a great mat artist. A lot of many people knew that, but it, he painted a lot of mats uh, in Kral and on the Bonds on the Atlantis sequence, for example, with the, Liber- with the, with the ship. Um, and also, <clears throat> he had an incredible personality. He was extremely friendly. And I used to go and shoot 10-8 plates for him, which he'd use as backgrounds on Kral and other movies. Um, he, was, he was one of those magical people, which there are a lot of in the industry. And
0: I think probably it's sad because
3: he did... I
0: don't. If I you can correct me, but he didn't sort of had a maybe a family that followed through on his work. Mm. Uh, he had a couple of sons, did not he? Oh, um, Mark, Mark was his Mark, son.
3: Went into special effects. I don't know where he is now.
0: No, I haven't heard of him for years.
3: He's out of touch now, but I mean, they were they were in the industry. Hmm. So I wonder. Mm happened to his, he must have had some form of personal archive, no matter how small, it would be quite interesting now.
0: You know, I don't, I don't ever remember him talking about it. Or, I mean, I never certainly questioned him about it. But um, I guess on the bonds, so sort of, it it was retained with the bond, probably in, in the archive. No, it mean, may be in the archive of the bonds as some of his work. That's right. It is. Um, yes.
2: Yes, it's, it's, it, which is which is wonderful that a lot of his work for for the Bond is with the with the uh, with the Bond Archive. That's a great that's a great thing that exists. Um, yeah, but um, it's 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 wonderful for us that Ray kept obviously all of his models because he he grew up in the Great Depression. He knew the value of everything, and so we've kept so much is it there's about fifty thousand items uh vanessa yeah. that's right isn't it estimated in the collection something
1: along those lines i don't i mean there's so many small objects as well so that's probably including all that but yeah something along those lines
2: so we're very so lucky
4: did yeah. um did ray get to keep the did ray get to keep the copyrights of the the models or did they belong to mgm
2: oh right so this is where it gets a bit interesting so um the Foundation has the, uh, um, for example, we've just created a range of toys. So here's the heart of the Minneton. And uh, with, with Star Race toys, these are very expensive toys that have come out and they're like three, 400 pounds a, a pop. Um, the Foundation owns the creatures, but we don't own the titles of the film. So when we license out uh, and designs, we can do that. And we can have a Pegasus and a Kraken creature, but it can't say Clash of the Titans on the box. And we've checked with the good folks down at MGM and and Sony. They're fine with that. Mm -hmm. And they come to us then for bonus content, which we provide completely gratis because of the kind of symbiotic relationship we have. So anytime they need anything from us, we'll always provide it. And I recorded commentaries with Ray for his films um, in 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 these last years because surprisingly, he'd only recorded commentaries for two. You hadn't done them for Clash and for Simbad and everything else. And us speaking to you gents today is part of our ongoing oral history project, where it's essential for us to speak to people who witnessed Ray's work, his working practices, and of course, your own work in that field. Because, you know, you're, you're a first person perspective for us. You're a first witness I love the owl. Who's got the owl? Is that still in existence?
1: We've got it. We've got it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's there's yeah. four four versions of the owl. So there's the mechanical oh, one on. used on sets. There's oh, the stop motion one and two smaller ones. One about this size and one about that size. Oh, wow. Here
1: he comes. Hold on one second. Oh, is he flying. What was he called?
4: What was it called? Boobo, boobo, the owl. Boobo.
2: Yeah oh my goodness a drum roll please oh my goodness work of art too wasn't it
1: he is yeah he's he's such a little character i really love him yeah. who,
4: who made him was he was he made by one of our special effects men yeah
1: must have been yeah i, I don't know i think he was that, made by that.
4: dave uh, i can't remember his surname dave special effects is no well, longer with us
3: now, see if i can find it because I, I um
4: his brother was a special effects man i remember him Working on it.
0: I think the first time we used it was in Spain, if I remember. Yeah. I think, yeah. We had it up on the branch and and it it flapped its wings and it fell off the branch.
1: (laughs)
4: He's
1: looking really good, isn't he? He
4: is. He's much bigger than I remember. (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember it being that big. I don't remember him being that big. It was
1: Brian
3: Smith, I think, was very instrumental. Who's Brian Smith is
0: Brian was on the film, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, Yeah, he's the uh, physical effects. Yeah, and he used to mastermind. He was there with Bilbo all the time when he, he was.
4: Yeah, he was with Ray a lot, wasn't he? And I think he did the the creatures in the uh, with Ray mm. at the end of shooting. Yeah,
2: know? yeah. And things have come kind of full circle, haven't they? Because this older way of photochemical special effects has now kind of re-emerged as people are now embracing stop-motion animation again. People are are shooting on film and photography is back. Um, You know, I don't think Kodak will ever be restored to the status of... I remember that going down to Hemel Hempstead when I was at film school. They used to give me free film stock. I was a Kodak-sponsored student and and they would pay for my travel as well. And I'd get a lunch, you know, it was like the food bank for film students um, back in the day. But um, Hemel Hempstead is gone, you know, Kodak is gone, but... Do you feel that the the wheel is turning back on these older techniques now as well that things are things that are old and new again?
3: I think one of the things mm. relating to film uh, some people have the i think a misinformed that film has a different look uh, than digital. Digital is now so clever it can mimic anything. Mm. So if you think film is something special, it is to use. But uh, you can mimic film. I, I remember saying to someone at ILM, wouldn't it be nice if we could have certain filters in Photoshop? And um, suddenly these, these filters would start coming in use and everything would suddenly become much easier to use. I mean, digital now, now is amazing. But of course, when you see the credits on films mm-hmm. and the number of people. Yes. Oh. In the making of these things I think that might be one of the other reasons yeah. they want to go back to the old way of making things because less- well, I I
0: I the other day I went with Peter Mullins you remember Peter Mullins the yeah. designer we went to see a screening of Casablanca 1942 black and white film on a big screen
3: yeah. and
0: I tell you it was marvelous yeah absolutely fantastic yeah. and you could understand the, the dialogue
3: yeah but you see I, that would be available uh, now and it's the way that you saw it if it hadn't been for the digital revolution because no. all was scanned and uh, that's why these old movies now are classics and they look so good they look fantastic
4: yeah i was watching as i said last night and it was the footprints in the in the sand remember how we had the footprints in the sand and it was so easily done you know it was like air pipes underneath the sand with a an imprint w- w- with a shape of a, a shoe and they just suck the air out and it dropped. Yes. So you got the imprint <laughs> as they went along. And um, today today to do that it probably cost them about 50 70 80,000 pounds you know
3: yes. to, to
4: do a to do a visual effect shot like that and in those days it was so easy the special effects boys did it in, in no time.
3: Yeah.
0: Did you guys we have had a... much, 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 I mean, the, the size of the crews we had in, in those days was was minute compared to today.
4: Um, I think if we if there was 70 of us, if that, I'd be if surprised that, if that yeah. today's crew, you're talking about two to three hundred people.
0: No, it's credible,
4: you know, to go on location. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You could just watch the credits in the cinema to see what comes out. Mm. Had any I... worked... of oh, you Sorry, go
1: ahead. I was just going to say just quickly on that comment of how many people I remember through Golden Voyage and Eye of the Tiger, all of us, including actors and the cameramen, used to eat in a huge hangar and a long, long, long trestle table. And we all used to eat together and it didn't matter whether you're sitting with an actor or a, a, a cameraman or what, we all sat at the same table and we all had, the, you know, and it was great fun. So it's a pity that, yeah. you know, yeah. I suppose with all those crews, you can't now, but in those days, that shows you how small the the units were.
0: Oh, no, they, I mean, as Terry says, if you had 70 people, that was a big unit. Yeah. Mm.
3: Sounds like a lot to me. Yes, um, you used to have the dressing rooms for the artists yes and we had a restaurant where we go and have our lunch mm-hmm. yes and now you go to a film studio you have about 16 different caterers so each catering for each individual movie and um you'll have all these trailers to put the artists in um you know which takes up a lot of space
0: yeah
1: so, and, and, and
0: and cost
3: about the good old days yes
0: yeah.
1: I know old days are the best
0: days well they I mean I think that's generally with life as well I mean um, I mean we certainly had fun on films didn't we I mean uh, Terry and Keith when we worked on films I mean we had tough days and we had arguments but we we always had a pretty good social life yeah um But now I think that they don't get time for a social life, what I hear.
3: One of the things I remember more than anything else, Tony, was one of the most important things from the first point of view, and from my point of view with the first, was, you know, apart from getting on with the first, was that you understood why I was there. Because the most, uh, you can make a movie without me, doesn't mean I don't have to be there. So I could be the first one to be, you know.
0: You were always in the way, Keith.
3: Yes, I know, but, uh, <laughs>
0: trying to crouch down in front of Canberra I had to kick you out of the way all this time <laughs> and it's
3: only because I was bigger than you Tony than I <laughs> yeah.
2: Keith were yeah. you trying to get your shots during a rehearsal or a block through I mean were you allowed to take shots during an actual take yeah I'd,
3: <laughs> no,
0: shoot,
3: you. I'd shoot you the take wherever mm-hmm. possible uh, mm-hmm. and I, the uh, clash of the titans was before some um, had invented blimps for still photographers to use. Uh, Mark Jacobson invented the blimp that was commercially sold at all the stills photographers. And that was a heyday. They came in in about uh, 76. But uh, there are few and far between. I I didn't see one until a little bit later, and I had to bring it in from America. So that meant, if I shot during if we were outside shooting, then the chances of anyone hearing me, especially with the clash of swords and uh, stunts going on and movement, you know, I could be quiet you, enough. Yeah, you could choose your moment. Choose your moments to shoot. You could it, I'd yeah. also have to be very friendly with the sound people. Uh, Robin Gregory, I think, was the sound man on there. And, you know, I'd ask him if I felt that it was going to be difficult, that he might hear me um we'd have a conversation he'd say oh yes no that'll be all right because of so and so and so and so so it's getting on you know with all these yeah. people and, uh, and and
4: there was also the the shout of stills at the end of each uh shot for um for the actors to <laughs> perhaps pretend what they were doing
3: i hate that i mean i try so hard not to do that because it was just boring and a lot of artists hated it mm. You know, if there was a sensitive scene, I would go up to the artist and ask them whether they minded me being there and shoot. Um, Ray was terrific, Ray, you know, and all, all the cast and crew. I mean, the cast we had on that, when you think of Sir Lawrence Olivier and Peggy Smith and you know, professional people, they understand that everyone has a job. So you just tiptoe around and do your job. And if you do it quietly, as quiet as you can, and you have the help of the artists and the first assistant.
0: Because we we started off uh, in the Olympus set on D stage at Pinewood, yep. when we had the lot there, when we had um, Lance Olivier, and Maggie Smith and Ursula Andrus and Claire Bloom and Jack Gwinnum, and uh, Lord Snowden came down as well. Yeah, you remember to photograph? Yeah. <gasps> And uh, I mean, that was quite, And at one time, I remember we were shooting that and uh, Charlie Chaplin came on the set to watch. Now, did you remember him coming on Monday? was, yeah. Oh, no, I don't know. Yeah, so quite, quite a
3: handful there. <laughs> one of the funny um, sides, one of my most memories of that was Burgess Meredith. We were on a seven stage on one of the sets with Claire Bloom, I think. And he was walking amongst the crowd going towards the, uh, the stages to the front front of with all the crowd but because he was so famous at doing Batman uh, and um, all the uh, crowd started to react like the penguin
0: yeah and quack quack I said yeah, yeah
3: as he walked down and well, had I, the whole everyone in total hysterics well, you know, they, they, I, the, the reason
0: was, was that the film on one side he'd been penguin um, in the um in a Batman film, and it being on television that weekend. Yeah. So, so when he came on the set, the whole quail was saying, "Quack, quack."
4: <laughs> yeah. We got. We, we got to tell the story of the the charter, haven't we? Really. The, the t- got flying
0: <laughs> from
3: credit <laughs> uh, <laughs> cards. Hmm?
4: Yes, when we
0: flew from um, from uh, Malaga uh, going to Rome.
4: That's right. And got um,
0: diverted to Perpignan because the engine caught fire.
4: <laughs> yeah. It was a, fight, caught, a Vic- yeah.
3: oh? it was a viscount. It
4: was a viscount. We were doing a sort of like whatever it yeah. was, east to west, a direct flight, and then all of a sudden the plane went sort of south to north. We thought there's something up here, <laughs> yes. and we discovered that the engine had caught fire. they broken down. <laughs> the propellers stopped. And uh, we had to go and land in Papillon in South southern France. In the, yeah, yeah in, in southern France. And when we arrived there, all,
3: all, I, heard, the, sorry. Sorry. all I remember was Terry Sharrett's eyes. And, you know, he had big round eyes. They're just yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger. So he got more sort of quite frightened. We didn't well, quite he,
0: Terry Sharrett and Burgess Meredith were two of the people who wouldn't get back on the plane yeah. and That's right. continue. Uh, yeah. they, they carried on the other routes.
3: That's when Burgess showed his credit cards saying, I can get anywhere, go anywhere. So (laughs) they went off, got a taxi or something. I think Terry Sherratt went with Burgess and they caught a train.
4: That's right, I think he did. They didn't get him. Do you remember all they gave us was a voucher to get an orange juice or something like that in the hotel? They wouldn't wouldn't
0: serve us, would they?
4: No, and um, Burgess wanted, wanted a drink and we had no French money. All we had was this voucher to get a glass of orange juice and Burgess undid his um undid his wallet and all these credit cards went doo, 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 doo. Yes. he says right. all I want is whatever he wanted <laughs> and they said no no credit card <laughs> and I, I, re,
0: I they wouldn't they wouldn't serve us anything so eventually the crew were opening their duty free and and getting free soft drinks and we were doing the mixes at the table if I
4: remember. That's right yeah. <laughs>
2: And can yeah. I ask you guys about second units and, and the third ad as well so w- w- what was the situation with the second unit and how, how did that impact the three of you in your work and, and who was the third ad and did who you did was a second one? unit we didn't uh, have a second
4: unit no, I before. don't remember a second unit
3: oh. don't remember yeah. one at all if I mean if there had been a second unit I'd have gone there and, and shot some of this stuff I don't no. remember
0: a second unit.
4: No, Oh, right. OK. I have no and recollection of a second unit. Uh, yeah, Ray didn't normally have one. So
2: and, and none of you'd worked on a Ray Harryhausen film before. Is that my right to say? No. That? no. And, and so did his reputation precede him? Because you hadn't worked with him before. And this is a major, major MGM picture. Had you heard um, sort of rumblings about um, him and Charles Schneer?
3: No. That, 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 yeah. I mean, we'd all seen their movies that they made together. He was... Um, you know, big filmmaker, Charlie sneer and harry Harryhausen, mm-hmm. these big hits, so it was absolutely awesome so, I mean they, they always seem to have
4: a very good relationship in front of us anyway, I don't remember any um, any mm. disagreements amongst them mm. maybe behind the scenes was different no, I, I,
0: had a, I had a few disagreements with Charlie, but we, had, <laughs> we,
4: we eventually got him trained <laughs> <laughs> he
0: they,
1: was quite a loud <laughs> New Yorker wasn't he?
4: Uh, I quite liked him actually
1: yeah I, I he, was know, okay. he, he, was, he was a
4: likeable rogue he was he nice was, guy. He was quite nice but he he he
0: needed training yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're um, in good company him.
2: there Jeremy yeah. Thomas who was a um, assistant editor on the Golden Voyager Sinbad told me how he got in trouble for buying pencils from outside of the production and charged the receipt through and he had to go and see Charles Schneer in his office And he told Jeremy Thomas, yes, that Jeremy Thomas, um, that uh, not to do it again and only use pencils here from the production because he'd already bought the pencils. So even down to the stationery, you know, Charles Schneer kept a close eye on absolutely everything.
0: We had, there was a lovely situation at Pinewood where the art department wanted a kettle and uh, he wouldn't allow them to buy one. So he bought one in, but it had round pin plug. So he said, if you can't use the plug, instead return it to me. <laughs> How tight. Yes. yes, no, it was, uh... but I mean, at the end of the film, I mean, although I had quite a few rows with him, um, he said to me that if I ever got a, a script together and and I could, you know, he could help me to raise money to maybe direct the movie. I never oh, wow. did, of course. but. Um, yeah. Uh, so we we obviously finished on quite good friendly terms
2: that is good and Mm -hmm. and did all three of you see the film in the cinema then i know at at that time all of you were working like crazy on different productions but when did you get to see the film was it in the cinema i can't remember
0: i have seen it on a big screen but i can't remember if i saw it what do they do after four your eyes only for for for, for, for you um after clash oh i I would I finished Clash on the on a Friday and I started Elephant Man on the Monday. Wow. So I didn't finish. I didn't go even go back to Pinewood or see anything else. Yeah.
3: Um, I, 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 can't remember. I saw it at Pinewood uh, with um, Bill Edwards. Uh, I had a, a showing, there was a showing that he was put on for some press. And that was the first time that I saw it, which was uh, amazing absolutely amazing and um, we were putting the slideshow together as i said earlier so i was in quite a lot of contact with bill Edwards at that time Yeah, you know, so when i first saw it
0: i can't remember no um because i hardly ever you know we were we were all pretty busy at that time weren't we i mean we used to go from film to film Yep.
2: yeah, yeah um, no, i looked at your imdb pages before i came on or, you know, the last few days. And yes, so many films, just uh, one after the other, which is great yeah. though, because, you know, to be popular and in demand is is, is a great position to be in, isn't it?
4: Yeah, well,
0: as I said earlier, it was quite a small industry. So there weren't that many of us to go around. And, you know, um, I can, yeah, I did Elephant Man and then I did um, Dogs of War and then For Your Eyes Only. So you went almost from film to film.
2: Do, do each of you have a favourite sequence in the film? It doesn't have to be a special effects one. But when you watch the film, is there a scene where it, it brings a smile to your eye
3: or, or one you enjoy in particular? Yes, the scorpion fight. Really? Maybe because that very day I had all my cameras stolen. Oh, of course you did. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. That's yes, right. So much, yeah.
4: Yeah. Well,
3: mine but, was med- the
4: Medusa sequence. I thought it was a great sequence. It really was. I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah.
3: Um, I, they're all, they're all magical remember. sequences when you watch them and you remember, I remember where I was at a particular time when something was being shot and it's just uh, they're all magical, they all bring back those memories of magical times and the way, yeah. way that Ray had. Yeah,
0: I, I mean I think every every location had its and and studio set had its had its um you know you you think of the Malt, the tank in Malta and the
3: yeah.
0: on the beach in gozo and and the mm-hmm. the amphitheater in osteo antica and um, the empty beach down in Palinuro that Charlie Schneer said it was a wonderful beach and it was deserted we got there and it was packed
1: oh no <laughs>
0: and he and then I discovered that he hadn't been there for 16 years oh. <laughs> and, and the other the other thing that made it made it fun that he he couldn't believe his eyes, said, there were a lot of topless ladies hanging around. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and yeah, Vanessa, would you like to, to finish off by asking our, our three special gents any, any any particular question?
1: Um no, I think I asked it earlier on about you know the this the, the um alligator and the the scene the tape with me on the rocks and that. Um but I'm so glad we got to meet up at that um, CovCon, you know, and I'm, I'm so so thrilled to meet you there and, and catch up. So thank you guys so, so much, you know. Well, you're
0: a it's been a while to get it together. I, I, mm-hmm. I, there was one other thing I noted in my diary, that um, that there was a scene where Harry Hamlin had, thrown, had cut off Canobos' hand and he put, carried it out and he threw it onto the steps in front of Andromeda, and it bounced. And everybody
3: collapsed.
0: <laughs> everybody fell about laughing because it was just, it, it, <laughs> it bounced I, off I th- the step.
4: I think it also deserves um, mentioning, I, I'd never come across before, was the prosthetics was Neil about- McCartney. Yeah. Uh, I thought, Colin Arthur, the, the makeup man, he did yeah. an absolutely fantastic job.
3: Yeah, with, uh, because we three had years. three it witches, amazing.
0: Yeah. Three witches with the with who were blind, didn't we? Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah
2: yeah we're in close touch with Colin and uh, he's a good friend of the foundation his work is superb he's someone else who deserves a book and, and a kind of a, a mini museum for his wonderful work with Ray on his films and on yeah. his own films as well on Neverending Story and Conan the Barbarian and many many others so and I just want to say thank you for giving up your afternoon it's been um, it's been a privilege for me certainly to speak to the three of you today so thank you well it's been taken
0: take, take it a bit to get it
2: together, together okay. is not it? At last
0: yeah. Well worth
1: oh. it. Well, happy memories, and thank you for sharing them with everybody. It's yeah,
3: been yeah. really okay, nice. A lot of memories. for right. us to do it, because unless you do these things, they won't be there for other people. No. I know. And I think some of these, Ray, for example, is one of the great characters in motion picture history that should always be remembered.
1: Thank
0: mm. you. Yeah. Thank so you I think there's so many wonderful people. And we are fortunate because we do get arsenal arse again. Um, I did an interview yesterday for a, a film I did with Sandy Kubrick, or part of a film I did, uh, Buried Indon. and they he told me things that I didn't even know.
4: <laughs> and, um,
0: well, a lot of water
4: has gone under the bridge over the years, and a lot of oh. films in between, and yeah. uh, you tend to. As Tony said earlier, you know they all blend into one. It's just another job, and you never think, "Oh, I've got to keep a record of this." I mean, no, it, you just don't. It, it, Nobody this knows if the thing. film's going to be a
0: success or not. Uh-huh. It, this was the sad thing. It was just another yeah. job. Oh,
4: yeah. yeah, you
0: know, wasn't it? I mean, you, you you didn't say, "Oh, goody, I've got Clash of the Titans," because you didn't yeah. know what Clash of the Titans was <laughs> and, yeah. until ten years later, you know, yeah. twenty years later, or forty years later.
3: But you Um, knew it was a Harry House movie.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Yeah, That was part of it.
2: Copyright in the Ray Harryhausen podcast is owned by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, a Scottish registered charity, number SC001419, 2022. This recording may not be reproduced in whole or in part without written permission from the Foundation. The views expressed within these podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of the Foundation, its trustees or employees. For further terms and conditions, please contact us at rayharryhausen.com where you can find our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter links.